0: we are reading today from the book of exodus if you haven't read the book of exodus you should know the book of exodus is probably the most exciting book in the entire bible it has everything evil kings heroes from humble roots triumphing against impossible odds it has romance and battles and miracles features gorgeous scenes set in historic cities, people in incredible costumes, and extravagant makeup. It's a story with twists and turns and surprises that will keep you on the edge of your seat. And today, we're not going to talk about any of those things. (laughs) Today, I thought it would be fun to tell an Exodus story that's less exciting, one about the characters that maybe you haven't heard of before, the ones who did the work behind the scenes, ones who didn't get the glory, the ones who don't get songs written about them with fun hand motions that you may be saying in a vacation Bible school a long time ago. Today, we're going to talk about Aaron, Jethro, and Bezalel, three important guys with three important jobs and whose stories are worth telling because they are a part of God's story. Because we are a part of God's story, that means that Aaron, Jethro, and Bezalel are a part of our story too. Their stories are important today because, like most of us, most of the time, Aaron, Jethro, and Bezalel are not the ones who get the headlines or the fame or the star of the story. For most of us, most of the time, our lives play out like someone whose name comes in the small print during the third minute of the credits at the end of the film. Now, that doesn't make our job any less important it doesn't make our job any less crucial and despite what our paychecks might say it doesn't make our jobs any less valuable but sometimes just just sometimes it does make the jobs a little less exciting that's what we're getting into today aaron was basically Moses' pr guy jethro was a management consultant Bezalel was a craftsman. None of them was a leading man. So today, let's dive into Moses' supporting cast and let's find ourselves in their stories. But first, let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds as we hear the message that you've given each of us this morning. Guide our thoughts, guide our steps, and add your blessing to this time of teaching this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Have you ever felt unqualified or inadequate? Has anyone ever told you that you were not good enough? Have you ever told that to yourself? Goodness knows I've been there. I'm sure many of you have been there too. Either the victim of hurtful words from someone else, destructive thoughts from your own head, or whispers from the pit of hell. Now, before you get too hard on yourself, let me give you some assurance about those feelings of inadequacy. You're not alone. In fact, you're in pretty good company. After all, you're in the company of Moses. When God called Moses in Exodus, God had a whole speech ready for Moses. Picture this. If this is the exciting movie, this is the the coach rallying the troops and the lord said to moses i have seen how cruelly my people are being treated in egypt I have heard them cry out to be rescued from their slave drivers. I know all about their sufferings, and so I have come down to rescue them from the Egyptians. I have heard the cry of my people, and now I am sending you, Moses, to the king of Egypt so that you can lead my people out of his country. Do you get this rah-rah moment of excitement? Moses is going to be fired up, right? Moses said to God, oh, but... I am nobody. I am nobody. I am not fit for this job. I am inadequate for this job. I am unable to do this job. Moses has some, to be honest, very rational self doubts. The task that he's been assigned does seem, you know, impossible. So God seeks to quell Moses' doubts. God promises that God will use God's power, but Moses is still a little unconvinced. So in Exodus chapter 4, God commands Moses to throw down his walking stick, and as soon as he does, it turns into a snake. When Moses grabs the snake by the tail, it turns into his walking stick again. A moment later, God gives Moses leprosy on one of his hands and then heals it just as quickly. This isn't a magic show. God's not doing this to frighten Moses. It's God's way of saying, it's okay if you don't believe in yourself. All you need to do is believe in my power. You see, sometimes when we doubt in ourselves, what we're really doubting is God's power in our lives. At least that's what happened to Moses. So, after this pair of miracles, Moses is convinced, right? No. No, he is not. Moses said, No, Lord, don't send me. I have never been a good speaker, and I haven't become one since you began to speak to me. I love that line right there. (laughs) I have never been a good speaker, and I haven't become one in the last four minutes either, God. Then God reprimands and encourages Moses. Who gives man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or dumb? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? It is I, the Lord. Now go. I will help you to speak, and I will tell you what to say. I will help you to speak. That's what God says. God, who just displayed God's power, promises to bring that power again when it is needed. But Moses answered, No! Lord, please send someone else. Please. At this, the Lord became angry with Moses and said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. In fact, he is coming now to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. You can speak to him and tell him what to say. I will help both of you to speak, and I will tell you both what to do. He will be your spokesman and speak to the people for you. Then you will be like God, telling him what to say. Take the walking stick with you, for with it you will perform miracles. And now we meet Aaron, not the leading man, not the star of the film, not the hero, the spokesperson for the hero, the communications director for the hero. Aaron and Moses meet up later in the chapter. They gather up the Israelite leaders, and then in Exodus 4.30, this happens. It says this, Aaron told the Israelites everything that the Lord had said, and Moses performed all the miracles in front of the people. All right? Aaron does all the talking, then Moses does the the magic stick thing. We got one guy who does all the talking and one guy that does the cool magic. It's pen and Teller. So Aaron gathers everyone up. He gives the speech to the leaders, interprets Moses' message for him. Then Moses does the, the magic stick thing. Moses and Aaron will become a kind of dynamic duo during the next several chapters, and the routine remains largely the same. Aaron is the mouthpiece of the operation, and Moses is its leader, aided by the miraculous power of God. There is an incredible lesson in here. I shared it with the Clay Church staff this Tuesday. It's a lesson you can take with you in your ministry life, in your family, and in your career. The piece of advice looks like this. If you don't know your greatest weakness and someone who can help you compensate for that weakness, you're never going to be the best version of you that you can be. Moses recognized his greatest weakness. God gave him someone to help him address it. You see, we were never meant to do all of this alone. We were never built to be able to do all of the things all of the time. So take the time to discover what you're good at, what you're bad at, and who the people are who are the right shape to fill the holes in your own skill set. Much later, much, 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 much later, after Moses leads the people out of Israel... After he parts the sea and begins an adventure on the other side of those waters, we find another story in Exodus chapter 18. It's easy to miss. It's relatively unexciting, and it features Moses's father-in-law, a man named Jethro. Jethro sees Moses at work as the judge over the people of Israel. Moses has been in direct contact with Yahweh, the one true God. He's been given the laws directly from Yahweh, the true God, and so when the people have disputes about what is right and wrong, what is lawful and not lawful, they come before Moses. He is literally the judge of this entire society, and this is busy, busy work. Exodus 18, 13, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, "'What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening?' Moses answered, "'Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions.'" I kind of feel sorry for Moses here. This guy had run-ins with the Pharaoh. He communed with God on Mount Sinai. He parted the seas, and in return for his hero's journey, he's spending all day, every day, arbitrating the petty disputes of his people. He sits in a chair, and people come to him to complain about their neighbors. He's running an HOA, It's not good. This is not good. It is not a good thing for him to do. And that's what Jethro told him. He said, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions. Show them how they are to love and live behave. But then select capable men from all the people, trustworthy men, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as the judges for the people at all times, but have them bring the really difficult cases to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you if you do this and god so commands you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied there are so many important lessons in this passage if you google this passage you'll find articles that call jethro the first management consultant and that may be accurate but it feels a little boring to me Jethro does encourage Moses to train up capable leaders beneath him to distribute and delegate responsibility. That's good, and that's important, and that's management. But there's something else here. Jethro doesn't recommend a hierarchical management structure because he wants to maximize profits. He doesn't recommend delegation for the sake of delegation. The reason he gives Moses this advice, the reason is because he recognizes that Moses is going to wear himself out. Jethro is looking out for Moses. We need that in our lives, don't we? I know I do. In fact, I feel like for most of us in a capitalistic society, we need people to give us permission to rest a lot more than we need people to prod us into doing work. The lesson I want you to take away from Jethro, at least this morning, is that you need someone in your life who cares about your well-being. You need someone important in your life who cares about your well-being. Especially if you feel inadequate the way Moses did. See, inadequacy will make you work harder to try to prove yourself to overcome your own shortcomings. To try to prove that what the people said about you was wrong. And all of that overwork will cause you to crumble. You need someone in your life who cares about your well-being. For Moses, that was Jethro. You need someone in your life who addresses your weaknesses. For Moses, that was Aaron. And then we move on to the last character we'll talk about this morning. We're going to talk about Bezalel a biblical character so obscure that my autocorrect tried to change his name to Beelzebub. Bezalel was the craftsman, the construction manager, the architect, and the designer behind the building of the Ark of the Covenant. It was a big job. It was an important job. For some of you in this room, it's the job that seems the most approachable, right? You like building things with your hands a lot more than you like public speaking or managing people. For others of you, this is the least approachable job, and you feel like tearing your robes when you're confronted with the directions for a piece of Ikea furniture. (laughs) Either way, Bezalel's job was obviously very important, obviously very unique. His skills were well-practiced, finely honed. So that's what I'm going to talk about, right? I'm going to talk about how we need to surround ourselves with people who are good at doing the actual work not just talking about the actual work, right? That's what I'm going to talk about, right? No. In Exodus chapter 31, the Lord says to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, on the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. It goes on to describe his skills. They are numinous and incredible, but we can stop right there. Because what I want to focus on is the part that comes first. God says this about Bezalel. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. It's the first time in the entire Bible that anyone is described that way. Not Adam and Eve, not Noah, not Abraham, not Joseph, not Moses. Bezalel, the craftsman, the laborer, he is the one first described as being filled with the Spirit of God. You need someone in your life who is filled with the Spirit of God. You need someone in your life who cares about your well-being you need someone in your life who addresses your greatest weakness. And those lessons should be enough for this one day. If you'll indulge me for a second, I think I'll add just one more. See, if, uh, if Moses and company were a business in the year 2022, who would get paid the most? Who would you choose to pay the most Would it be Jethro? He's like the CEO of the operation, the manager of managers, and managers are well paid. But then Aaron, Aaron's in PR. PR guys get paid well too. Depending on the nature of what they're communicating, they can get paid very, very well. Of course, Bezalel is just a laborer. Laborers tend to not get paid as much, but you wouldn't have the Ark of the Covenant without him he's pretty valuable. Would you compensate him as such? And then, of course, there's Moses. He's the face of the organization. He's the one through whom God does the miracles. He should get paid well too, right? But then let's take a look at Moses for a second. Does he even have a skill? He can't build, can't speak, can't manage a hierarchical structure without guidance. Does that count into it? So so what would you do? And what do you think would have happened if Moses, Aaron, Jethro, and Bezalel were ever concerned about such things? I don't think it's a conversation that would have ended well, and I'm certain it's a conversation they never had. Harry Truman said it this way, It's amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. It's amazing what you can accomplish if you do not care who gets the credit. That could have been a verse in the book of Exodus, and you wouldn't bat an eyelash. Aaron and Moses don't bicker about who the real brains of their duo is. Jethro gives his advice, Moses follows it, and then Jethro goes on his way and we never hear from him again. He's not trying to collect a commission or write a management book or make sure that his advice is credited to him. Bezalel finishes building the Ark of the Covenant, and then he disappears too, mentioned only in genealogies as a person who was begotten and begat. They didn't sign their names to their deeds, didn't clamor for recognition, didn't begrudge the favor that God had bestowed upon Moses for God's own reasons. Someone who addresses your weakness someone who cares about your well-being someone who is filled with the spirit of god and none of you is more important than the other let's pray god surround us with good people surround us with people who will help us do the work of ministry with people who will help us make a difference help us to recognize who the people in our lives are help us to say thank you And God, help us to recognize when we're called to be those people for someone else, every gift that is needed for the cause of advancing the sake of your kingdom is in this room right now. Help us to find those gifts in each other. Help us to be humble. Help us to be obedient to your will. I pray these things in your name. Amen.